morning. Good to see everybody today. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you so much that you are a cornerstone. God, I thank you for the worship today. I thank you for um, the, the, the mindset that it puts us in as we continue through this time of worship and now reading your word and hearing from you. Jesus, I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to move through this place. Open our eyes, show us something that we need to hear. Lord, there's no one here by accident. So God, I pray that you would move in a powerful way today. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if it's your first time here with us or you're, you're new, maybe you've been coming for a while, I'm Jay, um, the lead pastor. Great to, uh, great to see you. Um, great to be together today. For those of you watching online, so glad to have you here. Um, and we're going to be starting a new series today, but as we get into that series, I kind of want to frame it in this way. Um, have you ever heard of a mantra? I'm sure you have. Maybe you haven't heard it put that way. Uh, a mantra would be uh, like a statement that is uh, like, like a short phrase statement that helps you to keep your focus on something or maybe is like wrapped into that statement is a lot of like maybe who you are or, or what you do. And so um, mantras are, are something that can give us confidence, can give us strength. In, in the face of like difficult and tough situations um, and even in the face of the unknown. Some examples. When I was in art school, I know a couple of mantras that they taught us was, uh, one was keep it simple, stupid. That was definitely a mantra that we all had. Literally every professor, teacher I had in art school, I probably heard that come out of their mouth at least once. Um, another one that one of my private art teachers uh, remember saying to me um, right about the time I was, I think maybe a freshman, sophomore in high school, something like that. He, he said this, in art, there are uh, no rules, only guidelines. No rules in art, only guidelines. Um, and there's a lot to that that I'm not going to unpack right now. But that's a really good mantra uh, to have in art. Another one that I'm sure a lot of us have heard, work hard, play hard. That's kind of a good mantra to have. Um, you know this one probably, when life gives you lemons, you put them in the freezer and throw them at the people that are making your life difficult. Isn't that how it goes? Right. No, when life gives you lemons, um, keep them, because free lemons. Um, you know, uh, may the force be with, no, that's not one. Um, here's, a, here's another good one, leadership one. Uh, never waste a crisis. Think about that one for a minute. Never waste a crisis. Um, here's one that I kind of have. I've talked to a few people um, over the years. Uh, always finish the last 5%. Always finish the last 5%. And what I mean by that is a lot of times when we're working on something or a project or something along those lines, you come to the end and you kind of stop just short because you're like, ah, it's good enough. And I'm not a person that likes to have the phrase good enough in my vocabulary. And so I, I kind of start saying, you know, do the last 5% because that last 5% a lot of times is what makes a difference between something being really good and being excellent. And so to, to go for the last 5%. Um, Another mantra that I've, I've had on my office uh, wall and actually above my door since I was a youth pastor says this, and, and it's still there. It's in my office right now and it'll continue to be in my office no matter where uh, my office is. Uh, it says this, love them where they are, love them too much to let them stay there. For me, that's a mantra of being a, a pastor and a shepherd. Love them where they are, love them too much to let them stay there. And you know where that idea came from? Jesus, because that's how he treats us. He loves us where we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay there. 
One that we have as a staff, um, and we've got a sign in, in the office that even says this, says, be the branch, be the branch. And what that means to us as a staff, based on John 15, is uh, that, that's where Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. If you've not heard that, I would encourage you to go read that. And, uh, and that um, he is the vine and that we are to be attached to him as the branch to reach out to the world. And as a staff, that's a really good way for us to quickly, you know, when we're looking at things, hey, let, let's be the branch, right? And so you, because if, if you're not connected to the vine, you're just a stick. <laughs> and so let's, let's be the branch, right? And these kinds of statements, while, um, you know, some of them are, are true, some of them have a lot of truth in them, um, and they can help us to keep our focus and keep the main thing the main thing. And I'm sure in whatever field you may work in, you've got some mantras in there. And a lot of what we're going to be talking about uh, in, in the next few weeks really kind of go back to, to a mantra, because let's be honest, it's been a lot. The last couple of, of years, it's been a lot. We've been through a lot the last couple of years as human beings. Um, we've been through a lot of change. As a church, we've been through a lot. Um, nothing has not changed for a while. For some of us that have, have been through um, and, and a part of this body of believers for, for a while, like predating this building, we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot of change and we are potentially four to six weeks away from change again, but this time it's the completion of change and transition and, and moving into the next phase, turning another page in, in the book, which is an awesome thing. And we've been waiting and waiting and not really able to step on the gas in the way that we've wanted to because something is always in the waiting and it's felt that way for a long time. And as much as I want to say we're almost there, and we are, we are, we are almost there. Um, I don't want to miss what God has done and is doing in the waiting. Unfortunately, that feels a lot like our mantra for, for us at Connect Church for a while and in some aspects is, you know, we're almost there. Um, but it's not just for Connect Church. It's for the world. It's for a lot of people in this day and age. It has that feeling of like, well, we're almost there. When this, when that, we're almost there, right? But for the world and, and, and everyone in general, here's, here's the thing. There is growth in the waiting. There is growth in the waiting. See, we don't always see God's plan. And his end game often looks different than ours. And we have a tough time seeing past our own plans and the way that we think it should go. We have a tough time seeing past that. And one of the reasons we struggle with that is because of our selfishness and because of our sinful nature, which in turn makes it a struggle to really pursue his glory instead of our own. And so I would rather say that our mantra is to him be the glory. To him be the glory. And this is where we're going. This is where we have been or at least should have, but I just want to put it out there right now and say that this is where we're going because when our focus is on his glory and on his mission, we find his power, his freedom, his plans are shown to us in ways that, that maybe we could have never imagined. And so our mantra and our battle cry and all that we do is to him be the glory. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. 
the book of Ephesians. And if you don't know where that is, uh, whether you're uh, following online or, or maybe you've got a physical Bible, if you've, uh, if you've got the Bible app, you can follow along in the notes. Look for Connect Church in Akron, Ohio. But if you've got a physical Bible, it's really toward the back end. Uh, it's, in, uh, it's in the New Testament. And this is one of the letters that Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus. And there's some important things to understand about this letter. We call it the book of Ephesians, and I, I guess it is, but, but it's really a letter. Um, he wrote this letter to, uh, to this church. Now, this church was established in A.D. 53, so a couple years ago. And it was by Paul, and, and he stayed there at that church for three years on his third missions trip. He went on a few missions trips, and my dude Paul was always on the move. Always, I mean, he never stopped. He never stopped. He was always on the move. But he stayed in Ephesus, though, for three years. And a few years later, Paul um, was stopped because he was put in prison. And so he kind of had no choice. So he's put in prison. And while he's there, he's visited by messengers from various churches because he started a bunch of churches. And so they sent messengers there to visit him and to take care of him and, and all kinds of things. And so a guy named Tychicus of Ephesus, we'll call him Ty, because that's easier. Um, he took this letter to the church in Ephesus, as well as the letter uh, of Colossians. Um, and he took it back in about AD 60, so they say. Um, and, and Ephesians' purpose um, is actually different than, say, Colossians' letter. Um, it, its real purpose here is to strengthen the believers in Ephesus, really just an, an encouragement. That's really what a lot of this letter is. Um, not really to confront a specific problem. Colossians actually uh, confronts a specific problem of heresy, um, and this isn't so much that. Um, and it's through this encouragement here that there's also an emphasis on the dignity of the church, and it really magnifies the church as this divine institution uh, and God's purpose in it. So there's a lot for us. There's a lot for us in this letter, in this small letter. And right in the middle of this letter, because there's six chapters, so right in the middle is chapter three. And this is a chapter that I've, I've just been reading over and over and over again. Um, and so there's a lot that we can learn from this letter. We're gonna actually dig through this chapter together over the next month. And we're gonna look at some other things in Ephesians as well because there's a lot of correlation back and forth. But I believe that what God can show us here is, is purposeful and important for us as Connect Church specifically as we move forward. A lot, there's not too often that I'm gonna do some things that, that apply to like us specifically, like personally. But there are definitely some things in this letter that, that are. At the same time, this is for all of us. This is for anyone. This is for anyone. So I don't want you to feel like you're on the outside looking in or anything like that. If this is your first time here, believe me, God's word has something for all of us at all times. And so in a lot of ways, what this chapter actually is about is about the function of the church in God's plan. And there's a lot of parallels and a lot of insights that we can glean here. So I want to start by reading the first six chapters because that's all we're going to look at today. Or, or, I'm sorry, the first six verses, not six chapters. You're like, good grief. He's going to be reading for an hour. No, the first six verses, all right? Six verses. My brain, yeah, right, thanks. And my brain's ahead of my mouth. So here we go. Here's what it says right at the beginning. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, 
Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now you may read those six verses and be like, Jay, those six verses were kind of a mystery to me um, in terms of exactly what Paul's getting at. We're gonna break it down here. So let's say this, who are the Gentiles? When he's talking about the Gentiles, not a Jew. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to, um, not Jews. This is great for all people. This is great for all people, and this is a big deal. Last week, I talked about the exclusively inclusive nature of the gospel, how the gospel is literally for anyone and everyone. And Jesus was so passionate about that truth. Don't miss this. He was so passionate about that about that exact aspect of the gospel that Paul was commissioned specifically to make sure that happened. He was specifically commissioned to make sure that that happened. But I wanna break down a few things here. I wanna go back to the first verse, Ephesians 3, verse one. Look at just the first verse here for a minute. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, you might be like, okay. No, this, this is a big deal in this verse, and I'm gonna tell you why. See, he was actually in prison as he's writing this. He's actually in prison, but he's not considering himself in prison. He's considering himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of the mission of everyone else, not just the Jews who would not accept Gentiles into the faith. So if you're not Jewish, you would not have been accepted into the faith according to Jewish tradition. And so this is blowing that up. This is blowing that up. This is a paradigm shift in a huge way that's saying anyone and everyone, you would not be here had it not been for this. Connect Church would not exist in this way had this, had, had this not happened, right? Paul, in all of his suffering that he went through, because here's what he's saying right at the beginning. He's saying, yep, I'm in prison, but you know what? To him be the glory. I'm in a prison of Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. That's a lot of what he's saying here. See, he realized that there was purpose in his prison. In the prison that he was in, which was literal, there was purpose in it. He knew that God had him there for a reason. And clearly, God wanted him to hit the brakes and write. Why? Well, had Paul not been in prison, do you realize that we would not have Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, or Philemon? Those four were written while Paul was in prison. You could make the argument that had he not been put in prison and forced to stop, we would not have these letters of Scripture. Because he wasn't going to stop doing ministry. Paul wasn't going to stop doing what he was called to do. He just had to change the way in which he did it. Because he was just running around. He was the road runner. He was just running all the time. Non-stop. And God was like, 
relax. You need to do some writing. So what about you? Let's take this and apply this to ourselves for a second. What is God doing or could be doing if you would look at your situation and say, to him be the glory? Meaning, is there purpose in your prison? And maybe where you're at right now, you have been through some challenges. All of us, let's face it, have been through some trauma in some way, shape, or form over the last couple of years. There are some challenges, and some of us are going through them right now. What if there's purpose in your prison? So about a year ago, we were looking at that property where there's a building now sitting, and it was just dirt because we were waiting for uh, permits to be able to break ground. Some of you may or may not know this part of the story. If we would have broke ground in April when Jay wanted to, the cost of lumber went like way up, like double the cost of lumber. There's a lot of lumber in that building. <laughs> it's a pole building. It's all lumber. If I showed you the piles of lumber that were dropped here before they started building, hmm, that was a lot. Well, guess what? If we would have broke ground in April, we had no idea why our permits were delayed. There were little stupid things. We had to redo some of the drawings. There was stuff where like, really? A lot of times it was just radio silence. And I'm sitting here, you know, as, as we all were, just praying and going, God, I, I don't get it, but okay. Well, right as we got the permits, which was five to six months later, the cost of lumber went right back down to where it was. Almost like within the week. So just about right where it was. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Had we broke ground when I wanted to, that building would have cost almost $100,000 more. But because God had us wait for five to six months, and at the time we're like, why? And he's like, this is why. <laughs> right? Mic drop. There you go. That's just one story. But sometimes there is purpose in our prison. You're waiting for this to happen. You're waiting for that to happen. You're waiting for this relationship. You're waiting for that promotion. You're waiting for your kids to fill in the blank, whatever that might be. You're waiting for this healing to happen. You're maybe waiting for this test result to change, for this doctor to give you that phone call. Too often we look at our circumstances that don't meet our expectations as a prison. And we look at it like we're handcuffed. And you might be in a lot of ways. There may be some, some truth to that. I realize this doesn't apply to every single situation. But what God teaches us through Paul is that with God, there can and will be purpose in your prison. You may not know what it is for a long time you may not know ever exactly why. Paul then said, for this reason, all these things that he wrote about before, about the mystery of Christ that was revealed to him by God, that they're for the mission. 
that the reason he was revealed these things was for the mission that God had given him. So let's keep reading here. Verse two says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So here's what he's talking about. He's talking about implementing the strategy of God's plan in the church, making it happen, making God's plan for the church happen. And he's saying it's by revelation. And what that word really means is that I'm not making this up. God showed me this. That's what Paul's saying. I'm not just making this stuff up. God showed me this. See, it cost Paul a lot. It cost Paul a lot. It cost him basically everything to follow what God was telling him to do. It's what imprisoned him over and over and over. Dude was in prison a lot. And it ultimately killed him. And the mystery that he's talking about here, which isn't a mystery to us anymore, but you really do need to understand the big deal of this. The mystery is that Jews and Gentiles are now part of one body. One body in Christ. And that body of Christ has nothing to do with race, nationality, or creed. All human beings are invited to accept Christ and to be a part of the church. And he says, I wrote about this before, earlier in my letter as I was talking about this. And here's what he was referring to when he said that in this verse, which was in Ephesians 2, 12 through 14. It's not on the screen. So just listen to this. He says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. That's us. That's Gentiles, but that's also people that are just far from God. So that could very well be you and me. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. This was the mission from here on out. As he's writing to this church, he's telling this church, this is the mission from here on out. Stop being so exclusive to yourself. Anybody and everybody is invited here. Following God was not just for Jewish people, but for all people. And that's our mission. That's our passion as Connect Church is for all people, any and all people. Let's go to verse six. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, right? So all people are heirs together in God's kingdom, members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. You and I aren't here without this mystery being revealed and we need to understand the big deal of that. This is a big deal to understand and the implications for us and the mission of the church. It's the why behind the what. See, what is not properly understood cannot be properly applied. If we don't properly understand it, we can't properly apply it to our life. And that's true in many things in life, if not all things. <laughs> Understanding this 
and really owning this. It matters for the mission of where God is taking us as a church. It matters for the mission. And this is the mission. This is unity at its best because we are all on a level playing field with Jesus. We are all on a level playing field with Jesus. I don't care where you came from this morning, where you're watching at home, what your social status is, what your any status that you're thinking in your head is. I don't care what age you are, who this or that. You, you can come up with all the different arguments that you want that maybe differentiate you or, or somehow disqualify you. We are all on a level playing field with Jesus. And that's an awesome thing. When we understand that though, when we understand that as a church, when we understand that individually, we have the mindset, the mantra of to him be the glory. It gives us direction. It gives us application. It gives us uh, the ability to make the decisions that we need to make for the right reasons and the priorities of our life for him because it's all about him. It's all about him. And so understanding that knowledge, Paul said it in, in his letter to the Colossians. He referred to this exact same kind of thing in Colossians 3. He says this in verses 10 through 11. He says, and have put on the new self. See, when we become uh, followers of Jesus, we're new. We're a new creation. Put on the new self, being renewed, how? In knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. That pretty much encompasses anyone and everyone and whatever excuse you want to use. Christ is all and is in all. We're all on a level playing field with Jesus. To him be the glory. To him be the glory. But had Paul not been in prison, think about this, had Paul not been in prison, had the waiting not happened, the growth, the understanding, the renewing of knowledge in our creator would not have happened. Paul being locked up and not being able to physically go actually facilitated God's plan. Paul being locked up and not being able to actually physically go facilitated God's plan. Think about that in terms of you and your life and where you're sitting right now. There is growth in the waiting. And it might feel like more than you can handle. You may be in a situation where you feel locked up and you feel like things aren't going the way that you think that they should go. And it feels like it's way more than you can handle. And God gives us those times, I believe, intentionally. I believe God gives us those times intentionally. And sometimes he asks us to wait a long, long time. And it feels like it's more than we can handle. Yes, a lot of things have changed. Yes, things will keep changing. And humanly speaking, some of it is more than we can handle. No doubt. You know, some of the decisions on phase two, when to start and all of those kinds of things at the beginning, felt a little bit like that. There was faith plus trust plus math. But you know what? What drives our decisions is the mission, not the math. And our confidence is not in math, but in the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Now, did we just throw caution to the wind? No. Does God give us common sense? Yes. Did we use that? Yes, I believe that we did. But 
we are also not going to put God in a box. As a church, I do not believe he has brought us this far for him to stop now. I don't believe that for a second. He needed us to grow, though, in some areas spiritually, and I think we probably still need to. He knew what we needed in the waiting. He knew we needed to see things, and he knew that some things couldn't happen unless we were maybe in a season of waiting. And I believe that time is nearly over. Is there going to be more waiting in the future? Probably. It's going to look differently, though. But you know what? We have work to do. We have work to do. We have people to help. We have a community to reach, the gospel to share. And I believe that he is just getting started with Connect Church. I 100% believe that. This week, a mission Akron is going gonna, is gonna to give our students and our church as a whole an opportunity to actually put feet to that. And it's an awesome thing, and I'm so excited for them. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But you know what? Every miracle starts with a problem. Every miracle starts with a problem. And Jesus never showed up with a miracle for a want. He never showed up with a miracle for a want. He solved impossible problems for the glory of God. Were there wants involved in some of those? Sure. Was his end game in that to just give somebody what they wanted like a genie in a bottle? No. No, it was the glory of God. And we all have a problem of sin. We all have a sin problem and the problem of not being able to save ourselves. And we have no ability to make things right with God on our own. And that's where Jesus came in. That's where Jesus stepped in and he sacrificially gave so that we could repent and through God's grace be saved through faith and nobody, nobody can brag about it or boast about it. Nobody can stand and say, I was good enough for this or for that or I was good enough for God. It's only because of Jesus. It's, that is the good news, right? That is the good news and that is what we are so passionate about sharing with everyone everyone. That is why it's more than a building. That is why we continue to say, to him be the glory. That is why that is our mantra, regardless of the circumstances of the situation, moving forward should have been and will definitely be moving forward. To him be the glory and all of that, because we're all in this together for his glory. We're all in this together for his glory. When we complain about our situation, listen, this is, this is kind of tough to hear, but when we complain about our situation, we complain about the Father. Because we think that maybe we know better than him. And we complain about the decisions that he's making for us. He just might be giving you more than you can handle right now because if he didn't, you would try to handle it your way instead of his. And one of the ways that we prayed from the very beginning for phase two, and we've continued to pray this way, but I'm talking years back, before we were even in this building, we knew that building needed to happen. And one of the ways that we've prayed for this entire project of Connect Church was for Jesus to accomplish this 
in his will, in his way, and in a way that gives him all of the glory and no one else. In a lot of ways, our, our prayer has been, Lord, do this in such a way that no one other than you can receive the praise for it. Guess what? He has answered that prayer because to him be the glory. There is no way any person is getting any credit for what God is doing other than God himself, other than Jesus. Because the glory of God should be the goal in all that we do, not just as a church, yes, as a church, but in all that we do. It is definitely the North Star of Connect Church and it will continue to be, but more importantly, it should be the North Star of who we are as followers of Jesus. And so that's why the, con uh, the connection point for the day is that in Jesus, there is growth in the waiting. So to him be the glory. In Jesus, there is growth in the waiting. To him be the glory. Listen, listen, God is not finished with us yet. Not even close. We are called to do more. We are called to reach more. We are called for more. We are called to reach this world and our community needs to know that Jesus wants to do more in and through their lives. And his chosen vehicle to do more is the church. And I am so glad and so proud to be a part of that mission alongside each and every one of you. To him be the glory. Will you bow your heads? There may be a circumstance or situation going on in your life right now that feels like it's more than you can handle, that feels like you're in your own personal prison. Can I just say that in Jesus, there may be growth in that waiting. There may be purpose in that, quote, prison. God may be needing to show you something that you wouldn't see any other way. I would hope that you could maybe from here on out look at those situations and those circumstances and say to him be the glory. And, and if you're not even sure you have a relationship with him, if you're not sure that you're gonna be in heaven one day with him, that is the good news that, that we've talked about today. That is the, the mystery of Christ that is no longer a mystery, that is for you and me and for everyone. That you can know for 100% sure you're gonna be with him in heaven one day. You are not promised tomorrow. You're not promised an hour from now. Do you know for sure where you're gonna spend eternity? Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you so much for the truth of your word. I thank you for the lessons we learned through the Apostle Paul and through the things that he did and even the things that he didn't do because you had things for him to learn and us to learn through that. Father, help us as a church as we're continuing to move forward. God, we're excited for what is to come. I pray that in all we do, we can say to him be the glory, that we can give you the praise and the glory that you deserve in every aspect of our life. God, forgive us for the times that we haven't. And Jesus, I pray that if there's one here or watching online that doesn't know you, that's maybe never had a relationship with you that doesn't even know what that really looks like or what that means. Lord, I pray that they would maybe reach out 
either to us online, go to connectchurch.xyz slash next. Maybe they would uh, comment in the chat. If they're here, Lord, that they would maybe talk to someone at the orange wall or down front today at the end of the service to know for sure that they're gonna be with you in heaven one day. God, it's not about, it's not about religion. It's about knowing you and, and a relationship with you. Father, we wanna say in all that we do, to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.